Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 653, with my man, Rudy Mick. As an owner, as a capitalist, I own the company. I'm excited for AI to come. I'm excited for these employment issues to go away. At the end of the day, there's this really big conversation of, well, if everybody's <laughs> if everybody's unemployed, who's going to buy my products in the first place? So how do we hold the I and the we of my team and the we that takes care of the AI, right? I mean, it, it, where does the conversation stop or, or interlude? Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Were you aware that 89% of guests will research a restaurant online before dining out? This is why it is so important for you to be mindful of what your online presence is. Visit getbento.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your Bento Box website today. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a restaurant unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Stoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. With <laughs> excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest on the show for a fourth time. Did you know this is number four? I did not. I'm talking to my man, Rudy Mick. Rudy, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am exceedingly unstoppable, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yes. Um, and like, like I said, this is Rudy's fourth time on the show. I discovered Rudy through uh, Nick Cirillo's book, uh, A Slice of the Pie, where he references um, the impact you had on his business. Um, what was it exactly, reflecting back, where did you help him? Nick uh, was in touch with me to help grow his company and more so shift uh, the company to a purpose-driven, values-driven organization that was wide open, open books, profit-sharing, et cetera, and yeah. uh, how to do that. Yeah. And we have a unstoppable record accomplishing that goal. Were you behind the trust and track philosophy, or did he come up with that? Uh, trust and track was a shared, in my experience, was a shared dialogue. Uh, what we knew was that there had been processes where Nick had a lot of trust and then hope. And what we brought to the table as Mick was track uh, systems that tracked profitability, systems that tracked conversation and communication, systems that tracked 
performance and training. And so that shift, actually, who came up with the phrase was Bo Burlingham from, okay. Inc., from Inc. Magazine. Past and, guest in the show. And Small Giants. Yeah, author right? of Small Giants. Yeah, exactly. Finish big. It, so thank you. So let me not take credit for that. <laughs> and uh, in fact, when uh, Bo was talking to me about uh, Nick's uh, Inc. Magazine cover um, years ago, and in the dialogue with the three of us, it was like Bo just came up with this. Oh, my God, you guys are tru- – it's trust and track instead of trust and hope. I went, bingo. Yeah. So, there, so Bo, big shout out to you, dude. <laughs> and I, I use the, the trust and track because that's something that I'm always referencing on the show, just the idea that you need that level of trust. And you need to have that there. People need to know that they trust you, but you can't rely solely on trust. You have to track to make all. sure that they're hitting the goals, that, the, that they're, they're hitting that picture of perfection, right, that you shared with us in the first time you were on the show. Without the tracking, yeah. without the mechanism of structure in place that's, that confirms excellence – Oh, I think this is excellent. Let's see. How close do I get to the norm? How close do I get to the goal? Tighten it, tighten it, tighten it. Um, Tracking is everything. As awesome. far as I'm concerned. Awesome. I haven't even read the formal introduction yet. I'll, I'll get to that and then we'll get into what we're here to talk about. Today. We're already here, dude. But I mean, just I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of backstory. Uh, this Rudy is not a stranger for time on the show. And as the founder of Rudy Mick Consultant Group, Rudy has 30 years in more than 1,600 successful projects under his belt. Rudy focuses in leadership development, sales building, and profitability. His methodology is driven by the, cre- the creation of vibrant, value-based business cultures, no matter the industry. Today, we're here to discuss a couple of things, primarily AI. Uh, it's coming. So there's, you know, what you need to know about it. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Sure. Who knows? We'll get into it. Uh, and why people work are basically the two overarching subjects for today's conversation. Uh, I cannot wait to dive in. We've Sounds already, fun. We've already kind of dove in, <laughs> but uh, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? My mantra continues to be, sir, that um, we work with a sense of purpose. We work from an inspired, values-driven culture. The more definitive, the more values, the more purpose-driven we can function, the higher-performing organizations will be, in my experience. So consequently, one of my favorite phrases is be, in quotes, on purpose, well, be well. Yes. So the mantra is be, baby, be, I be love well. It. I love it. Great stuff. Great way to get this thing started. And I honestly have no clue what the outcome of today's conversation is going to be. I mentioned we're going to be talking about AI, artificial intelligence, uh, the impact it's going to have on, on the industry. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Uh, the How society is maybe going to be reacting to these changes within the industry, if those outcomes are going to be good and bad. Like I really have no idea where we're headed. I'm just here to be curious. Um, what is AI? Uh, just for those who have heard of AI but don't know exactly what it is. Well, in my neophyte understanding and from a very pragmatic place as a business owner and a uh, facilitator of company building, AI, as you mentioned, is short for artificial intelligence. Uh, think already about robotics and in the restaurant segment, um, production, manufacturing, French fries, hamburger patties, hot dogs, whatever it might be. 
that production process has already happened um, and is actively going on with robotics. Domino's and other companies are working on robotics in delivery, mm-hmm. right? Self, self-driving vehicles, uh, small Amazonian sort of um, distribution, little robotics that are delivering pizzas or whatever it might be. And then there's, I would also consider artificial intelligence being um, uh, drones and stuff, drone delivery. So whatever, whatever manufacturing process or sales process that is artificially intelligent, that is more than anything taking the place of a human being in a job. Yeah. Right. Um, And I, I don't know that the, the only other thing I would add in the moment is I don't know if there's a good and bad with this as opposed to just what are the opportunities, what are the threats, what are the concerns that are in this part of world business because it is coming like a freight train and for us to pretend it's not is naive. Yeah. So just real quick, I pulled the definition from the internet um, just to summarize what you share with us. Yeah. Uh, defined AI defined it refers to the programs which are designed to perform particular tasks by responding to specific environments or inputs because AI programs can be uh, depending on... wait. Because AI programs can change depending on context, they tend to mimic human behavior. So basically, ways to, to recreate human behavior artificially uh, to to be to basically outperform humans or just to automate to to create simplicity in life. Well, you know? and I think yes, absolutely. And the other experience of that, which you're alluding to in the in the written definition, is that rather than simple robotics do this task is the intelligence part of it is going to be building on from this task. I gather data, which makes me smarter, makes the machine smarter to replicate the task the next time, even more efficiently, more efficiently, more efficiently, mm-hmm. more efficiently. Talk about trust and track. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Right. So basically artificial intelligence is Anything, uh, I mean, some examples out there, Alexa, uh, which is basically being used in the ordering process. Now people can ask, ask Alexa to order, uh, ask Google. Um, there's kiosks that you're seeing with facial recognition, right? These are other examples. Yeah. And just the POS systems that we use today that are that have systems built within the software that are tracking um, data to make better informed decisions or to give you the information so you can make better informed decisions. Labor management, you're seeing uh, AI and labor management software. Yeah. So, I mean, we're literally surrounded by AI right now yeah. within the industry. It's, it's here. Well, it's not coming, it, it's here. W- exactly. It is here. And it's, again, the next gens of it, whatever definitions we're going to call that, are as well coming at us as quickly as the tech can build it. Yeah. So the to me, the irony is, to your point, it's here and it's coming even more and it's going to continue to come. So isn't it ironic that as we talk about a labor shortage, right, the lowest un- unemployment rate in history or in recent history, certainly in this country, at least, here right on the wings of that I can't find good help anywhere is coming robotics and AI that 
is going to change that whole dialogue, and then there's even more stuff for us to talk about. Depends yeah. on how fast and deep you want to so go. So I don't think you know, like I don't think we're going to be discussing what AI is today. That's not the purpose yeah, no. of. No, no, um, no. I just wanted to kind of set up the conversation, yeah. and we're really here to, to discuss what you just share with us is like it's coming, and what are we going to do? How are we going to react to it? Is it a good thing? Is, it, is the timing good? Are we going to just completely fall on AI and rely totally on AI? If so, what's the impact that's going to have on society? So, I mean, where do you see it going in the next year or two? Like, wh- wh- what do you see happening over the when next I, When I put my operator's hat on, when I put my vision of the industry hat on, to me, there's, the dialogue is huge paradox. Uh, we're sitting in a political time that is calling for nationalism. It's calling for almost isolationism of protect the country. I could then say protect the brand, right? Isolate me, keep me solvent and and separate from with the paradox of with AI and with technology as a whole to think that we're not going to be a globalized economy uh, sooner or later is naive at best, I think. So, so that's, that's irony one or paradox one. Paradox two is this piece that says, oh, I can't find good help. The unemployment rate is so low. Well, again, ironically, I'm old enough to remember, I, I can't remember a time in the industry going clear back to the seventies where operators weren't saying, God, I just can't find good help anywhere, right? Up or down on the unemployment rate at some level has very little to do with finding what A-plus players are. That then brings us to the conversation around, well, what is inspired work versus fear-based work? So that's another dialogue, but it's absolutely related and, and tied to the hip, and right behind the, if, if we just stay present with the unemployment rate and I can't find good help because unemployment is so low, right behind the AI conversation is within five years or a decade at the outside, in my belief, the, there are going to be millions, not just two or three, but tens of millions of jobs that are gone because AI is a capital investment. It's an opportunity to, I don't have FICA. I don't have payroll taxes. I don't have unemployment. I don't have requests for holidays. I don't have requests for days off. I I don't get, I don't have colds. I don't have illness, etc. And any replicable job, replicatable job is going to be handed over to robotics and or AI. And then we're going to end up in this glut of people unemployed, again, tens of millions. And what is our responsibility there, right? So then that conversation goes to, as an owner, as a capitalist, I own the company. I'm excited for AI to come. I'm excited for these employment issues to go away. At the end of the day, there's this really big conversation of, well, if everybody's <laughs> if everybody's unemployed, who's going to buy my products in the first place? So how do we hold the I and the we 
of my team and the we that takes care of the AI, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, where does the conversation stop or or interlude? Well, I mean, like not to get too political, but it's almost like we're forcing the hand of the economy of the government, like the future, to be a socialistic government because we're gonna have to. Be, you're gonna have a small percentage of, of owners at the top of people that have all the money, and we're automating everything. It's gonna be our responsibility to make sure that we're taking care of the society that we live in. And how many different ways are there gonna be to do it if all the money is in a few places, right? Well, this goes back full circle, right? And I'm I'm not um, not a socialist. I'm a devout believer in capitalism and and devout believer in our industry. Uh, and the cool part is people who need to eat, right? And hopefully they can be well-fed and well-taken care of, and we'll figure that out as well. The opportunity here then comes full circle to, well, what if there is profit sharing? What if, first of all, what is high performance? Whether it's AI or team-based, human-based work, I must get high performance. So as a company owner, what is my onus in defining excellence, in training excellence, as opposed to just replacing people who are kind of a pain in the rear with robotics? Because one thing, the the solution of robotics may solve some issues but it's going to create and that's my biggest fear i think that i know that uh humans by nature are reactive and it's kind of funny because what makes us so unique is our frontal lobe our ability to project and work out scenarios in the future but we don't use it because we're so fear-based that we react to our environment if i don't adopt ai if i don't start replacing my people with technology then i'm not going to be able to uh afford to I'm gonna be behind the ball, I'm not gonna be able to be able to keep my doors open or whatever the fear might be. And we react ourselves into these corners, right? right? And if if you don't believe me, like look at the food system, right? Where we're, you know, in the the twentieth century where we just destroyed the food system because we were trying to find shortcuts and more efficient ways and cheaper ways to do things, right? And we just we reacted ourselves into this this corner where one, our diets, our diets are messed up. We're messed up because of it. And the ecosystem's messed up because of our reactions. So if we start reacting, if we look at the social uh, environment, the the social ecosystem where people are human needs, right? We have needs. We need to be right. recognized at work. We need to right. feel like we're growing. Like we're, we belong to something. And when all these opportunities are going away for potential for people because they're being replaced with AI or, or, or software or robotics, What's the the ecosystem of the social environment going to be? Right. Like, like, are people going to be happy? Are they going to live with purpose? Are they going to feel like they're contributing to society if they have no opportunities? I mean, and maybe I'm going way too far right now, and <laughs> in, in, too soon in the conversation. Yeah, but, Matrix is coming. Yeah. <laughs> there, uh, and likely it is right at at some in in some amazing way. The so the AI conversation I think directly relates then to a question of well, why do people work? What, what motivates people to work? The great majority of the population, certainly anybody that's not in the 1%, and I would make a case that half of the 1% have to work too. So the, to me, that question is integral into the AI dialogue. Uh, and, and from our research and from years and years thinking about how we hire, how we train, what excellence is, that drive our clients to three to five times 
top and bottom line performance of the of the industry medians my research has shown that people will work for three reasons. Before you get into this, yeah. I, want, I think this is a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Okay. And we'll get right back and we'll, we'll pick up where we left off. Perfect. Bento Box is more, much, much more than just another restaurant website developer. It is a hospitality platform designed to disrupt third-party services that come between the restaurant and the guest. Bento Box puts the restaurant first and offers tools that drive high-margin revenue directly through the restaurant website. These tools allow you to easily update menus, promote and sell events, share your press and media attention with the world, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and much, much more. In other words, Bento Box puts you in control so that you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bento Box is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide because they empower restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. So Rudy was just about to get into uh, why people work, and you're going to list. There's three primary reasons why you think people work. But before you get into that list, summarize real quick how this relates, how this ties back into what the original conversation was with becoming more dependent on AI or maybe that, like, just throw that together real quick. Well, to me, the, the, the big headline, the biggest headline of all is the onus of developing great companies is on the owner and the ownership team or the leadership team. It's the team will go wherever we lead it. And so consequently to keep the amazing irony of AI is, Oh my God, I won't, again, I won't have to pay uh, taxes, unemployment insurance, FICA, et cetera. In the, and again, we're talking about the United States, but this is a global dialogue. I don't have to pay those issues. I don't have to worry about holidays. I don't have to worry. I get to invest in a capital expense, again, U.S. economy, uh, that is uh, an asset and, and goes on the balance sheet instead of operational costs, et cetera, et cetera. There are myriad reasons. In reality, what I've seen time and time and time again from a young consultant and young manager to where I am now is owners and leaders looking in a mirror and going, what could I do differently? Well, one thing I could do differently is define excellence instead of relying on common sense, which is something you and I have talked about in in previous shows. Instead of relying on common sense, which there is not much, define excellence. And so once excellence is defined, now trust it, track it, celebrate it. And in fact, if the business, which it is, is based on profitability, that is driving top line performance and driving bottom line performance. If I can excel at achieving the numbers I'm shooting at as, as fiscal goals, then the premise, and this is perhaps a little scary to folks, I can share some of that. I can share that with teams. I can share it with leaders. I can share it with managers. I can share it with team members themselves. So that then 
ties us to, well, why do people work in the first place? And to your point, rather than AI being good or bad, AI is coming and we're already touched by it. So what if the case is I either don't have the money to invest in AI or robotics, uh, so I'm, I'm stuck with teams of people, human beings, or there's some both and, or in ten, I'm I'm yeah. completely uh, robot driven. Yeah, AI but, but driven, in like in ten years, you know? I mean, the argument now is I might not be able to afford AI. Yeah, but in ten years, you might not be able to afford people. Exactly. You know, I mean, that, exactly. it's going in that direction. Well, and and there's the opportunity because is going back when I was in grad school in the early '80s. It's a long time ago. The uh, in the early '80s, it was pretty clear to me that if anybody wanted to make a hundred grand, which in those days was a lot of money, and amazingly enough, it still is a lot of money, uh, even though it's a pittance to some. Um, if somebody wanted to make, let's pick a hundred thousand dollars, I'm not going to have room on the financial statement on the P and L for five people on my team to make $100,000 and have any net profit left left over or EBITDA left on a, quote, typical business. Let's say it's generating a million five or two million five, whatever the case may be, five million. I, whatever the number is, having a whole bunch of people making six figures so that they have a reasonable life, the money's just not going to be there from a salary base. So then that opens the door to, well, what if there was profit sharing, which then leads to open books. And if I've got systems in place, tracking systems in place, I don't have to worry or about AI or, or AI. Because I mean, that's a form of artificial intelligence, that, sure. the intelligence to track all that information. Sure, exactly. Yeah. I mean, th- so number one, I could be on a boat in the Caribbean if I want to be, or in a mountain chalet somewhere looking on an, a spreadsheet to see how the business is going based on AI or based on my team what of humans, whichever the case may be. But I guess more than anything, what I'm making a case for is that for decades, it's been clear to me that that profit sharing is not socialism, but profit sharing. So perform and be rewarded for that performance is covenant to the American dream, Mm -hmm. right? So at the same time, this process and possibility that above a certain line of gross sales, there's unlimited potential to share below uh, at the bottom line above a certain net EBITDA or net operating profit, there's opportunities to share. But the real opportunity is against gross, right? So that then brings us back to this conversation, well, why do people work? And just quickly, there are three frames. One is abject fear, right? This goes back to slavery. Uh, be whipped, be chained, be just frozen to the job, or I've got to work, I don't have any money, I'll take anything to work. And the frightening part of that is uh, when the minimum wage in the country is so low that it's not a livable wage, then that becomes fear-based. Now I've got to have two or three jobs to make ends meet, to live. That is intrinsically fear. Neutral is, yeah, it's a job. 
I'm, it's not purposeful. It's not inspiring. It's not, but I'm not being whipped, but, uh, or psychologically impaired or, or abused or in any way, but it's a job. Mm -hmm. It doesn't float my boat. It doesn't excite me. Pays the bills. It pays the bills. <clears throat> in that paying the bills place, I will come and go. I will leave the second I can get a quarter more an hour or a dollar more an hour, big, big raise, $8 a day, right? Um, and the, the ironic part of this is that what I would categorize as excellent players, excellent performers, A-plus players, A-plus players are the first to leave in a fear-based economy. They're the first to leave in a neutral company. Ah, I thought this job looked like the culture was going to be good. I thought it was a cool brand, but it's not really fun. I'm out of here because the A-plus players will know they can go anywhere and they'll get hired. Mm -hmm. Who I'm left with is a people that are stuck and f afraid and or concerned about their livelihood and not going to move. Or don't like change, which is a really or, hard group of people to work with when you're yeah, trying to improve. Exactly. And a whole bunch of people don't like change. And so most and, people don't like change. I, I, ditto. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I don't like change. Yeah. Mo like, yeah. but like, you yeah. know, like you learn to embrace it because the act, like, like I recognize that change stinks, but I know that through change comes improvement. And it's just recognizing that. And like, who likes going for a run? Some people love it. I don't really enjoy going for him, but I'll, I'll do it because I know it'll make me better at the end. Right. It's that discipline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. But, the, but going for a run is a great metaphor because at the end I'll know better. So there's some vision right at the outcome of this, I'll be a different human being. So even though it's not particularly comfortable at first, uh, I, I remember running pretty uh, uh, addictively um, in my younger years. And God, man, mile one to mile three were painful yeah. and not very fun. <laughs> and all of a sudden at mile four and mile five, things woke up and my body felt magical. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the, I always say the third mile, once you can run three miles after yeah. that, it's like, oh, I'll just do one more. I'll just yeah. do one more. Yeah. But keep going. Well, and so there becomes inspired work is, yeah, it's work. It somehow I'm making a difference. My body's different. My mind's different. Uh, uh, I, I'm a better human being because of it. And that inspired work, that goes back full circle. So, excuse me, circle. <laughs> the word was circle. Uh, come back full circle to be on purpose, right? Know my big why, Simon Sinek would say. Yeah. Know the big why. Know my purpose. And all of a sudden I'm inspired. And when we look at an inspired workforce, inspiration, people go out and work for nonprofits for free. For free, mm. right? Because somehow they feel better as a human being. And I'm inspired to work here. So again, in years past, I would be uh, often criticized or uh, laughed at on occasion, uh, actually, about what's all this purpose stuff? What's all this values stuff? Dude, we're in business to make money. Guess what? You're, we are. Yeah. And, and you, we're kicking it. And dude. you're in the people business. <laughs> and you know, and like, but, but people, this is how people, <clears throat> this is how people act. This is how people work. And people will, 
it's very difficult to imagine anybody that gets up in the morning and looks in the mirror and says, I can't wait to go to work today and screw up, mm. right? The great majority of people want to do a great job. So it's incumbent in us to create inspiration, to give meaning to, well, why am I putting the screw in the back of this refrigerator in this way? Why this, why this insulation on a reefer box? Why this way to carry a tray in the dining room. Why this, uh, why do we set the POS up in a fast casual environment so that I can look directly in the eyes of my guest as opposed to down at the screen, right? If people actually, if we think about those kinds of things, then the opportunity is I'm creating an inspired workforce. Well, I would make the case that Robotics and AI is going to come to all three of those workspaces where it's so, fear-based, neutral, or inspired. Okay. AI is coming. So the process is really how does it implicate the world of work and what do we do with the outcome? How do I and we perform together to make a great community, a great neighborhood, a great brand inside our four walls. That's going to be the bigger conversation still. And to pretend that is just do the capital experience to bring expense to just bring in AI and our hands are washed. Uh-uh, that ain't it. So the question, the, overarch, the overarching question is how do we use AI consciously? Like how do we do it in a way that improves the lifestyle and the ecosystem uh, the business ecosystem and the, you know, the social ecosystem. Bravo to that. Bravo to that question. And the other question with equal import is, and what do I do with the people that I've got? How do I inspire them rather than um, just have them be average or neutral? Right. So and, I just want to re summarize because you've laid a lot on us. And I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Cool. So uh, the three reasons why people work, uh, Fear-based, neutral, and inspired, uh, and basically what you're saying that that you know that's completely backed up with the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. So the, our most basic needs are to put food on the table and a roof over our head. That's fear-based. We're going to show up. You know, like I want to pay the, the the bills, right? If I don't pay the bills, then I'm in trouble. Then the neutral is well, all my most basic needs are taken care of. Um, now I just want to make sure I have security, right? Yeah. So and I drive to work. So and I show I up for the paycheck and right? I get excited at the end of the day at five o'clock exactly. or at midnight or whatever. Yeah. But when you're thinking and Chip Connolly says it best uh, in his book peak, right? Like you need to start focusing on the, the, the peak, the, the top of that, 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 uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And at the top is self-actualization, finding your purpose in life. Then below that is, uh, I think it's, it's education, personal growth. And below that's belonging, feeling loved. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Basically, we need to start focusing in the inspired work on giving people purpose, making them feel like they're belonging and loved and helping them find their, their, their definite purpose, right? And they're, they're, they're growing and learning. What, what I, yeah, I love the way you just put that, Eric. And, and actually, you just hit me with something I hadn't thought of previously. If, if for 40 years we've been building, my, my team's been building restaurants based on purpose and values, and if there's ever been a time where values-driven companies have been the norm, I would say now's it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, at least that language now is acceptable and not too 
esoteric and not too kind of um, visionary. At the same time, what just hit me as I'm listening to you is, and, and there's never been a more important for that, a more important time than right now for that work because of this freight train coming with artificial intelligence and robotics and a world economy and the process of, well, who's going to make money and how do we, how do we actually have living wage, right? Uh, And this isn't about raising the minimum wage. I'm, I'm not suggesting that necessarily. What I'm, my comment is how do we create companies where everybody's got a vested interest in uh, the inspiration of the work. What does, so this goes, again, you and I have talked about this on, on previous broadcasts, but the very root definition of the word restaurant, a place one goes to be restored. Mm-hmm. So now if if my restaurant, no matter the concept, no matter how much robotics is involved or AI, how am I restoring you? What's different? How are you leaving my building or my carryout or the delivery experience? How are you? How are you and I leaving that experience feeling not just belly full, but body filled, emotionally, spirit, filled. emotionally yeah. filled, yeah, emotionally filled, and that becomes a magical, a magical journey for owners to say, "Well, wow, how do I do this different?" And my promise to your audience from experience, years and years of experience, my promise, and it is a promise, you go in that direction, profit shows up, sales go up in ways unimaginable. We say you go in that direction, you're talking about going in the direction of fulfilling people and giving them purpose. Yep. And, okay. Um, okay, I want to unpackage this a little bit more, but one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager and Google Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google search or Google maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25%. To learn more about how cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for cake point of sale. But you have to use my links again. That's trycake.com slash unstoppable. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions 
decisions, no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food cost, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. All right, so we're back. And just to kind of summarize where we're at to this point, you've kind of basically we have addressed AI is coming. It's here. We've given examples of where it's here. We've also addressed that um, in order to really kind of function in the future, we need to learn how to coexist with AI. And we do that by operating within the three confines that you gave us, the fear-based, the, the, the neutral. We don't recommend operating within those confines, but the one that you really want to focus on is operating within the, and this is why people work, right? Which is inspired work. And mm-hmm. we want to live in that zone and living in that zone will probably set us up for the most likelihood of success um, when AI comes. And I, did I lay it out? We're on the same page. You are such a rock star. <laughs> okay, Absolutely. And, and I think the only thing I would add is whether I'm selling a broad on the street or a taco on the street or out of a food truck, or I'm sitting in the fanciest restaurant in the world, whether I'm in QSRs or fast casual or fine dining doesn't matter. The process is think of the lowest job on the line. Think of the middle job on the line without, and think of the end user, the runner, the cashier, the server, whatever, the delivery person. Without any one of those jobs, the, the process of restoral doesn't happen. So that's our opportunity. And I would be hard set to say with artificial intelligence coming that heart gets put in that place out of the mechanism. So say that one more time for me that, that, and I'm questioning it even as I heard myself (laughs) say it, um, that regardless. So statement one, regardless of concept, fast, casual, quick service, fine dining, delivery, whatever. I would be remiss to think that every single position, every single job that came to play without every single job piece of work that was installed to get that food to the guest, there would be no restoral of soul. There would be no, um, replenishment there would be no fulfilling of not just my belly but my soul my heart so there's the opportunity for us whether we've got robotics and ai or not yet and even when we do have robotics and or ai that still wherever the human being touches we have the opportunity to inspire versus be fearful. And that's going to be the great paradox. That's going to be the journey because robotics, I mean, yeah. the, the AI is coming there's no, yeah. and, and it's here as you pointed out. So 
to make sure I'm on the same page. And this, this might sound counterintuitive because if we're saying, Hey, you know, automation is coming, AI is coming in order to survive AI. Don't focus on AI, but focus on the people and those human elements that are, that, that hang on to every human element, human experience that your restaurant still has to stand out on top of others. And the people that are, and the people that are there, what is our responsibility to them as opposed to having them be, neutral based oh they're they're a cog in a wheel just like the robot just like the ai piece of equipment that we've got no they're still human and how do we again how do we inspire this as opposed to just slap a piece of machinery in place and that's going to be that's going to be the opportunity is the both and not the either or. Yeah. I think you're actually seeing this right now with um, delivery as delivery Mm -hmm. has spiked. All these people are hopping on the bandwagon delivery, the the, the delivery bandwagon, but they haven't optimized their businesses for delivery where they just literally, they send the food out the front door and they don't think about the human experience afterwards. Like they, they package it up. They don't think about the, the human elements. Once the person's opening that food, how they can communicate with people beyond handing the, the bag to the delivery person. Right. So like, that's one example where you can focus on the human element where other, other uh, restaurants haven't quite caught up. They can put messages on the boxes. They can make the whole experience of delivery better, making it more because we think of delivery. You think it's not really pleasant on the eye, right? It's bags. It's, it's, it's messy. It's how can you make that experience better? How can you focus on the human element? Well, is, is that kind of what I'm hearing? I'm, well, I'm with you a hundred percent is the brand experience, the brand experience, the, the, one of the huge challenges with delivery, whether it's robotic delivery or it's human delivery is once that food leaves my building, you have no control. I have no, I've given up yeah. the control and I've given up the brand experience. Welcome to one of the big dilemmas. So now, and again, back to paradox, whether I have a drone deliver, whether I have a driverless vehicle deliver with a robot rolling up to my door, how do I make the brand experience exciting and inspiring and restorative and human and human, which is hard to do tap. How do I tap the human experience as a human receiving the food? Yeah. I mean, here's the ultimate, right? Is if we're all robotics, there is no food. We don't need food anymore. All we need is some sort of electricity. Well, you know, you you, you joke, but that that's literally a lot of scientists and a lot of futurists are saying like, there isn't going to be this overcome, like, like, technology or robots aren't going to take over. Like they're going, we're, we're going to become one. Yeah. We're going to be like these hybrid cyborg where when you're with the, with the, with the cell phone and with pacemakers and with hearing aids, like it's just going to get better. And we're, we are going to become robots. It's going to be a organic mechanic mix of, yeah. and it's going to be the best of both worlds. The, yeah. That's kind of what people are saying. But the question is, how do we, how do we hang on to humanity? How do we hang on to these things that have helped us evolve and that make us uniquely human? And as we're, as we're getting this new technology into our business, how do we stay ethical about like, where do we draw the line with ethics when it comes to, to not just replacing our employees with, with computers and, and, and technology, but what about that human relationship with the guest? Our responsibility to be more than a transaction, but to yeah. be a transformative relationship. Like where do where do ethics come into this? Is my other question. I'm, I'm dropping this on you. We didn't even brief or have this be a part of the conversation. But these these are the things I think of. Yeah. Well, I I'm not sure 
I'm not sure that's for this discussion, right? <laughs> but the the where I would go with the ethics question and with where we are in the in the foreseeable future, right? I mean, the opportunity come back full circle. We the technology is here. The technology is going to continue to evolve. So the opportunity becomes how do we do this both and thing instead of an either or meaning the human beings I have in place, how do I work with them to create an inspired workplace? I do that in my experience by always going to the highest level of what does this food and beverage and experience do? How does it How does it become a transformative experience, even if it's a hamburger uh, or a, a taco, something simple. Um, how how does my experience stay and, and either either stay or evolve into transformative? Whether there's AI or not, and what is so that leads us to how do I get to an inspired workplace? So how do we get to that point? How do we yeah. get to an inspired workplace? To me, to me, it's. Own that both are coming. AI is, again, we've said it how many times on the show, it's here and it's coming hard. It's not going to go away. There's just going to be more. At the same time, so with the people we've got that are either guiding those or programming those pieces of machinery, whatever it might be, with the humans involved, how do we create an inspired workforce? And, and more so on what, as owners, what is my responsibility? I mean, this is the esoteric conversation and the, um, the big conversation is, is there something more? Is this going to be such a societal impact that I, as I operate my restaurant, Think of my team as well as myself. How do I inspire my workforce? How do I pay them in a way that they can have an affordable life and support the technology that is here and is coming at light speed? How do we do both of those things um, to create a restorative peace those are the those are the big questions that we've been dialoguing to me the way to do that is define budgets define profitability define production cost whether it's robotics or human and define excellence instead of getting upset and can i say the word pissy on our you can podcast? say whatever you want i don't censor so my guests instead of getting pissy people at say my far people, worse. <laughs> yeah instead of getting Instead of getting upset at my people, is like look in a mirror and how have I not defined excellence? So define excellence, train it, inspire the team, and whether they're minimal wage workers or highly skilled, uh, advanced team members, how I pay them is not by some unmanageable hundred thousand dollars per hour kind of rate. Yeah. But how do I share profits with them in a way that says 
this is your incumbent part. You of, have control over how much you make. It, you don't it, like how much you're making, then do something about it. Exactly. It. Yeah. Right. You know, go back full circle. Nick Cirillo and I talked for years about, and, and with you on the show about, um, achieving my own raise by getting certified in skill sets. Mm-hmm. Right. So get certified, but that means that the owners of the businesses are incumbent. It's incumbent on us to define excellence and define, well, what is that certifiable pay raise worth? I, what do you do to get that pay raise? And more so the money is there with, um, open books, profit sharing and shared, shared success, um, uh, holding I and we, not just I and them. Mm. Right. So you keep on saying, um, define what, uh, or what excellence Excellence. looks like. What is your definition of excellence? Excellence is what's the best, most efficient, effective way to do anything. So another, um, another way to ask the question is what is a plus? Are we, are, if, if F is failing, and A plus is the best of the best, not just world class, but the next level, right? Breaking the four minute mile, breaking the sound barrier, whatever, going to getting to the moon, whatever it might be, uh, having great robotics and AI. To me, defining excellence is think about best practice, think about my competitors, what would be next. And think about, forget best practice, let's go to the next level and actually talk about, well, what is nobody doing that we could be doing? Yeah. Right? And then also, when you think about performance space, you're looking at what is the best way to do this. Don't just focus on the bottom line, but the top line, too. Yeah. What's what's best for the, the ecosystem and yeah. the culture of my business? <clears throat> How is this going to serve the relationships in my business? Well, and and here's a funny, again, irony. There's not we're, What you and I are talking about is not an either-or. I, I think the either or part of this dialogue is uh, is false. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Uh, as I was j- just listening to you now, I'm thinking about, oh my God, delivering a pizza by drone. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Right? I mean, on one level, and yet simultaneously, it's the essence of, well, there's AI, there is robotics coming, and it's putting a human being out of a job. Well, maybe. At the same time, that somebody's taken the risk to explore, this is actually a good thing. And what's the, just keep asking, what's the impact to my people? What's the impact to my business? And what, so back to what is excellence, how do we not have the drone drop the pie and kill somebody, (laughs) right? How do we not have the, how, how do we have the drone deliver it with some cheery message, right? At when it, when it gets to wherever the door is or the landing zone, whatever that part is. Yeah. I mean, so one other thing that's kind of come to mind as we've been discussing, uh, something that's at the top of my mind is the idea, um, we we're incorporating technology more and more into our business and people, the, the, the conversation of where do you draw the line comes up and I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was Fred Cat- Castellucci or maybe it was Ben Jeff Benjamin from veteran restaurant group. I can't remember exactly who it was, but the idea that wherever, wherever 
technology impedes the human experience, they avoid that technology. But whatever technology that they can, that you know, that where the human element is absolutely not needed, or if anything, the human element makes it worse, then you replace yourself with technology so you can focus more on the human aspects. So when you're freeing up time and energy and becoming more efficient by replacing yourself, say, um, with, let's say, like uh, inventory, like something that humans can't do as well as technology, right? If you can find a way to replace the human element with inventory, then that's more time you have or like labor management, like making the schedule, right? Technology can do that better. Use that extra time to sit down with your employees, to develop relationships. Don't just, you know, don't, that's not time for you to go sit down and hang out at the beach. Like that's time for you to, to reinforce the human elements and to put more emphasis and energy into the relationships. Because at the end of the day, what is culture? It's relationships. It's, it's a code of how to be able to manage and work with other people. Right? Yeah, totally. And I, you, again, you just sparked a thought of if, if I, as a leader am so consumed with, Oh my gosh, why can't these guys do anything different? Right? These guys, meaning my team, how can they be, what, why aren't they being more productive? I would turn the question back on myself and go, hmm, what am I doing? Yeah. What could I do to be more productive? What can I do to inspire this team as opposed to having them just going through the day, la, 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 la. And that, again, comes back full circle to, well, wouldn't inspiring them be more excellent? Wouldn't that be a higher grade performance than letting them just meander? Yeah. And the team will go wherever I support them to go. And Rudy's been kind of alluding to this, this entire conversation, uh, living intentionally, living with purpose uh, and creating a business that has intention and purpose. And then what you're going to do is you're going to attract onto yourself, the people that have that, those same values and those same personal visions and missions in their life. So your, your, your business takes on and embodies a, a, a social responsibility to fill in the blank. You know, whatever, Absolutely. wherever you're from, whatever is you know important to your community, then you're going to attract all those people who I become an attractor. Exactly. exactly right. right. And you're yeah. going to attract those people who yeah. that you mentioned earlier are willing to pay, get paid less because you know, our most basic needs are being taken care of. So now we're, yeah. we're, you know, hop, we're jumping over security and being safe to going straight to, I want to belong to something. So yeah. give something, give people something, a reason to belong to, Absolutely. Give, them, give them purpose, give them reason. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe it's already been an hour. Uh, this is this conversation's going by so fast. It's been a great chat. Anything we haven't discussed up to this point, anything we were hoping that we would bring to the table. I don't want to cut you short. No, I don't feel cut short at all. I feel very, uh, honored to be on your show and talking about always this. welcome back. On the uh, show. thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> it. And for the audience, my great hope is that the dialogue is, uh, the big takeaway is that, this is we're we're in a time where there's a both and right pure capitalism is i don't know is the answer anymore and at the same time socialism certainly isn't and communism isn't we've proven that but the process of how do i begin to equitably fairly share profit share gross share an opportunity of if we define excellence um and achieve excellence, then that becomes a win-win for all of us. Um, so I hope that we've kept the conversation grounded in a, in a way that is interesting and exciting for folks. 
because where we're headed is not simple, mm. right? It's it, there paradoxes everywhere. And for anybody looking for a simple answer, yes or no, black or white, those days are history. Man. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I just, I think that's the case. So I'll stop there and, and, and then just to your point, look in a mirror and ask, well, how can I do a better job today and, and get excited with being inspiring? Yeah. I've loved this conversation. Um, and we wrap up every chat, like, you know, by calling somebody out and I'm in Boulder, the Denver Boulder area. <laughs> so, uh, sitting here in, in Rudy's home, thank you so much for welcoming me into your home. You're so um, welcome. who should I talk to in this year? Who do, who do you respect and admire? Uh, you already mentioned Dave from big red F who yeah. was a past guest on the show. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll get him on again. Who knows? Um, he's always welcome back. He was a great Dave. Guest. Dave is an amazing leader, a really, really visionary guy. Um, I think who I want to shout out to is Jamie Fader, who is the executive chef at BRF. Really a fun guy, incredibly creative, and grounded visionary leader as well. BRF, so. Big Red Food Group, right? Big Red F. Big Red F. That's yeah. what it is. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, just again, let the folks at home know um, how we can connect with you. Um, is it Mick.com? Is that the best way? Mick.com is the best way. Mick Companies, based here in Boulder. Really honored to be a part of that and uh, at the center of it. So thank you. And that's M-I-I-C-K. It is. Com, two I's there. Um, again, always a pleasure to, to share your knowledge, your ideas, your thoughts, your mentorship. There is no questioning, Rudy Mick. You are unstoppable. You rock. Oh, cheers. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> Yeah, bringing back the old school outro music. Uh, some great stuff today. Uh, thank you again to Rudy Mick for coming on the show. And I think the big takeaway in today's conversation is that AI is here. It, it's happening. It's coming. It's only going to become more prevalent as the technology becomes more affordable and people become more aware of what the options are, what's going on. So my biggest concerns with AI is that we just lose complete sight of the human element in that we focus too much on the bottom line like we've done in the past and I, I hate to see a transactional society i hate to see everything become so just i don't need you you don't need me let's let's do this transaction let's move on with our lives we do need each other at the end of the day we're human we need humans to be happy we need humans in our lives we need human interaction in our life so uh to to take on artificial intelligence with open arms but with a questioning eye i think is really important and to look at using this ai to make the quality of relationships better in our restaurants and not to automate relationships i mean you can automate processes but don't automate relationships right uh and i mean that, that's my big takeaway from today's conversation i don't know where you guys are at you're able to, to form your own opinions uh but regardless great great stuff today and like always guys please do reach out to me eric at restaurant instagram twitter eric Cacciatore, and facebook slash restaurant unstoppable uh, I am currently in Boulder in Denver, Colorado. I'm going to be hanging out here for a couple more weeks. Then I'm off to the West Coast straight to, I think, uh, Sacramento is going to be my my first stop. So really excited about that. Uh, and uh, if you're out in those areas, if, you, if there's any restaurants you guys think I should be getting on the show, please put these suckers on my radar. I, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to 
to go after the mentors you think I should get on the show, but I can't get after them if I don't know who they are. So shoot me an email, Eric at Restaurant Stoppable, and uh, let me know who I should be getting on the show. And I think that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.